time to wake up. It's Saturday morning. Find some milk and cereal. Grab a bowl and spoon. No, a bigger spoon. Head to the living room and take a seat on the floor. But Joseph and Chris present to you... Saturday Morning Cartoon! Hello everybody and welcome to Saturday Morning Cartoon Boom. This is a show where we plop down on the living room floor with a big bowl of cereal and watch all of your favorite cartoons, both old and new. I'm Joseph. And I'm Chris. And today, we watched... Gravity Falls, which started in 2012 and is still currently going on, created by Alex Hirsch. So far, it's two seasons in, 38 episodes as of recording this, but it's slated for 40 by the end of the year, I believe. And for a short synopsis of it, Dipper and Mabel Pine spend the summer at their great uncle's tourist trap, the Mystery Shack. They think it's just going to be another usual summer until mysterious things begin occurring all over town. That about sums it up. Yeah, that's pretty good. You've watched this before, right? Uh, very, a few episodes of it, yes. Okay, I had never seen it before. I I don't even know that I'd even heard of it. I think I'd maybe seen a blurb about it in a magazine once, but mm-hmm. really came into this knowing nothing about it whatsoever, so didn't know what to expect at all, and I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> For a few notable actors from this, there's Jason Ritter as Dipper Pines, Kristen Schaal as Mabel Pines, and Alex Hirsch, the creator, as Grunkle Stan, Seuss, and actually a few others. This originally came out on the Disney Network and then transferred over to the Disney XD Network. Having seen it for the first time, are there any tidbits, any marshmallows, or anything you want to point out about the show? Like, I didn't know what to expect because I didn't know what kind of show it was, but I really liked it. It was um, definitely, I don't know how to describe it. It's in a vein of these cartoons that I enjoy because there's humor, but there's some kind of spookiness to the humor. So there's like cartoons like that I've seen in the past that this kind of brought me back to in like a much more mellow way. Kind of remind me of like Courage the Cowardly Dog in a way. Mm -hmm. Um, That used to be a show that I was really into because it was funny, a little spooky. That was like way more spookier than this show was. But I mean, that kind of vein of comedy where there's some spookiness, but some fun to it. So I enjoyed it a lot. And I like the characters a lot. Seuss is hilarious. Um, he's, He's probably one of my favorites. I enjoy Wendy too, because she's just so like sarcastic and really lazy and like typical kind of teenager. Mm-hmm. And Wendy is actually voiced by Linda Cardellini. She's an actress. She was on Freaks and Geeks a long time ago, if you ever watched that. If you aren't sure who she is, but if you're a fan of the Avengers, she is Hawkeye's secret wife. So if you saw Age of Ultron, secret Hawkeye wife, that would be the voice of Wendy from this show. So I didn't really know the rest of the cast much, but there are so many guest stars. So many guest stars on this show that it blew my mind. This is just some of them. I, I just wrote down the ones I was the most excited about. There's TJ Miller, Will Forte, J.K. Simmons, Tara Strong, Nathan Fillion, Weird Al Yankovic, Louis C.K., Coolio, Larry King, Mark Hamill, Neil deGrasse Tyson... <laughs> Patton Oswald, and some people might not know who this is, but Cecil Baldwin, who if you ever listen to the podcast Welcome to Night Vale, which is a really, really, really popular podcast now, that Cecil from that show, the the main voice of the show. So that was super cool. Like I was like freaking out just over the list of like guest stars they have. So I'm like, now I've got to watch every episode yeah. so I can hear all of these people because I'm just super excited. It gets pretty star studded for as weird of a show as it is and as unknown of a show as it is, I think. I feel like it's 
kind of a not underappreciated so much. Anyone who's seen it really loves it. It's just really kind of unknown to a lot of people outside because really, when would I have run across it? Not really watching the Disney Channel or anything anymore. I've only maybe seen advertisement for it or something like that, but it was nothing that would really catch my eye had I not heard about it in such a positive light that I had to go check it out. Right. And it's one of those cartoons that to me seems like it would be more suited for like Cartoon Network. Yeah. Because Cartoon Network definitely has more shows in this similar style and similar kind of humor and catering to that kind of audience. Whereas I always associated Disney with like younger kids. I guess I haven't really watched anything on Disney XD, but I just always assumed that it was for like younger than teenage where this is definitely geared at like teens and older for sure yeah i would say so especially with some of the content that's there right so for a few of the characters i'll point out just to intro the show a little bit dipper pines is the 12 year old twin brother of mabel pines and she is a 12 year old twin sister of dipper great uncle stan or grunkle stan is the great uncle of dipper and mabel and owner of the mystery shack seuss is the handyman at the mystery shack Wendy, as you pointed out, 15-year-old girl's part-time employee of the Mystery Shack. And then Waddles is Mabel's cute pig and a businessman, as we saw. (laughs) (laughs) I forgot about Waddles. Oh, Uh, God, he's the best. He is. He's awesome. And You know what? I, I I just had to throw this out real quick, is that on our other show, our Nerds on Tap show... Jim and Blood. his family used to have a cat named Coco who reminds me of Waddles because Coco was this sad, depressing looking cat who wore a tie all the time, like just had a little tie instead of a collar, a little business tie. And he just looked like a really depressed businessman. And nice. so every time I saw Waddles, it made me think of that. And I thought it was awesome. <laughs> so for a few little fun marshmallows into our bowl of Gravity Falls cereal, Alex Hirsch based the entire series from his childhood summers he would spend with his twin sister, Ariel. Mystery Shack is based on the Oregon Vortex, a mystery attraction that Alex Hirsch visited while in Oregon during his college years. And actually, if you search Gravity Falls location on Google Maps, it'll lead you to the Oregon Vortex. Oh, that's really cool. I know, it's crazy. I want to check that out. We need to go there one day. You know what? Like uh, this year when we go to Comic-Con, we were talking about doing some sort of couple day trip before that. And it was going to be either in Oregon or Washington. So I might have to do that. There you go. We're going to go to the real Mystery Shack. Heck yeah. The character Seuss is based off an old college buddy of the show creator, Alex Hirsch, named Jesus Chambro. This show uses a variety of codes and ciphers for viewers to crack in order to uncover secret messages at the end of each episode. Sometimes the messages are comical, but other times the message will reveal hints and important clues for future episodes. I did not know that. Yes, there there were a few things at the end of these where we wouldn't have been really able to tie them together because we watched mm-hmm. kind of sporadic episodes, but there's a couple things that are coded in there. And finally, Dipper always has the same outfit on. However, Mabel has a different sweater in almost every episode. So one changes clothes and bathes and stuff more than the other, obviously. Yeah, I mean, as is typical for any cartoon, like they almost always have the same outfit on, but Mabel is in a different sweater pretty much every episode, yeah. So for memories I have of this, like I said, I haven't really seen many episodes of the show, maybe three or four before I actually watched these. But as you know by now, with my love for horror movies, I was completely drawn in by the paranormal, supernatural adventures that these characters go on. And I was actually really excited to revisit this. So I'm really glad we actually picked it back up. Yeah, like I said, I I enjoyed it to the point where I I think I'm going to end up watching all of them. I just thought of something. So like when, when I first started watching this, the voice of Mabel sounded really familiar and I could not place it for anything. And I just figured it out. Kristen Shaw, I think that's her name. Who voices yep. Mabel? Is mm-hmm. the voice of a character on Bojack Horseman, the young girl that was formerly on his show. 
Yeah. Horsing around. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was like, man, why does it sound so familiar? And I was just racking my brain. And I think I, yeah, I just placed it. I'm pretty sure that's her. I'm pretty sure it's the same yeah, person. It's the same person because she's nice. also, she was in the Flight of the Concord series too as the right. biggest fan. And then right now she's in Last Man on Earth as the co-star. Nice. Okay, yep. cool. So she's done a lot of stuff. I actually saw her do stand-up at a show last year. Oh, really? Yeah. How was she? She's really funny. She's hilarious. Uh, so let's go ahead and jump into the three episodes that we watched for today's show. The very first episode, the highest rated episode, and finally, a random or listener recommended episode. And we started off with episode one, Taurus Trapped, which is obviously season one, episode one. For a short synopsis of this, Dipper suspects that Mabel's new boyfriend is a zombie. That's a very short synopsis, but leading off of that... <laughs> I like it. So it does a good job of kind of introducing everyone in this episode. You're just kind of, you're getting to meet everyone for the first time, getting to know their personalities, getting to know a little bit about the town. And the town itself is almost a character in a way, just because all the supernatural things that happen here... As I said, the synopsis is that Mabel gets a boyfriend. He acts kind of weird, and Dipper suspects him of being a zombie, basically. And, and he is acting very zombie-like at first. And <laughs> my one of my favorite jokes of this was when they're asking his name, and he says "normal human," <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they're like, "Oh, that, he means Norman." <laughs> I think that's awesome. This is also the episode where Dipper Fritz finds the book in the tree, which will come to play for pretty much the rest of the show, right? Yeah, so this is the book with the three on it. And really, it's helping to unlock the mysteries of Gravity Falls, the town that they're in, in Oregon. But it's still kind of encrypted messages just found throughout this book. But it gives him information on some of the creatures that are around, zombies in particular, and gnomes which really come into play <laughs> a little bit later in this episode in the book it even says that zombies tend to disguise themselves as teenagers yeah <laughs> which i thought was pretty funny so obviously this guy's acting weird he's a teenager he's well i mean he's got a tree branch sticking out of his head the entire time so i mean that's pretty much a red flag and yeah. no one else really seems to notice this except for dipper you could almost compare this a little bit to invader zim in the sense that dipper's very much like dib because he's really the only one who's suspecting anything about this zombie kid right where it should be obvious but he's the only one catching on and what really clues him off is when norman's hand falls off and he's like wait that's not normal <laughs> right he shares his concerns with his sister, Mabel, and he does it. He first opens the book to say what he thinks Norman is. And first it opens to a page with a bunch of gnomes on it. And Mabel's confused. Then he's like, oh, and turns the page and then shows the zombie. Mabel is just hoping, really, really hoping that Norman is actually a vampire instead. <laughs> oh, yeah. She wants to be bitten <laughs> by a vampire so bad. And this also because of her age and that it's summer, it's like the summer of love for her. So she's super boy crazy. And that's what leads her into this whole mess to begin with. So Dipper's pretty much just trying to expose what Norman is the whole time, thinking that he's a zombie. Turns out being something completely different and turns out that he was right the first time with the book <laughs> by accident. And that instead of a zombie, he's a group of gnomes like hiding under a trench coat with like a mask and stuff. Uh, yeah, a group of gnomes looking for a new queen. My favorite was that the gnomes have really normal names like Jeff and and then the, the one in the bottom. Jason. Yeah, the leader, Jeff, is just like, oh, I always forget your name. Smabulock. Smabulock, right. Oh, 
god that was the point where i knew i was gonna love this show <laughs> yeah. um when the gnomes were introduced because like this was just such a great sense of humor this was definitely something that appeals to me and there's so many hilarious jokes with these gnomes they get in like a fight because he's trying to keep them away from his sister one of them gets hit in the stomach and the gnome starts puking rainbows oh, all yeah. over the place <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny oh, one, one of the great things is actually before the whole battle even starts or the whole chase when mabel tries to break up with the gnomes tries to break break up with norman she's like yeah you're a gnome and yeah it's just not gonna work out something like that <laughs> and then jeff the gnome the leader is just like okay we'll never forget you mabel because we're going to kidnap you and then, <laughs> right <laughs> it was just that pause it was great yeah and that was leads good. into this well whole fiasco what happens later is as they're trying to stop mabel and dipper from escaping they call all of the gnomes in the forest together and they form basically a giant gnome like mech yeah it's, it's just this giant made out of gnomes it's like a constructicon <laughs> of, yeah, of gnomes hundreds hundreds and hundreds of gnomes so they're chasing after him and stuff, and and we we won't ruin how they do it, but I mean you can imagine that good wins out on top, but it's pretty funny. The gnomes do get separated at some point. The the gnomes get stopped. We won't tell you how because it's it's hilarious and you got to watch it. But this is also where Dipper gets his new hat, which is the one he wears throughout the series from then on. Yeah. That's right. kind of at the end of this episode. Real quick, there's just one more quick joke that I loved. <laughs> And that was the very end where one of the gnomes, some of the gnomes start scattering. One of the gnomes is trying to get away and gets stuck in a plastic, uh, oh, one of those plastic oh, yeah. six pack wrapper <laughs> things like um, you would have soda in. He gets, he gets stuck in it like, like an animal and he's like squealing. And then I can't remember what it was. Was it a goat runs over and grabs it and carries it away? Yeah, I think it was a goat. <laughs> It's just out of nowhere. It's it just... was that was really good. I wrote that down too, where he he just runs <laughs> over there and gets caught, and it's oh, and he's just making all these noises just like his squealing noise. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's my kind of humor. I I laughed really loud out loud at that. For me, I think this was a really great introduction to the series. Introduces you to the characters really well. They hit each character and give you just enough to know exactly what that character is going to be like going forward. Mm -hmm. They give you a taste of the paranormal stuff, but that the paranormal stuff is going to be really silly. So then you get a good sense of the humor of the show that carries forward. So I think it was great. I enjoyed it a lot, way more than I thought I would. Yeah, I, I agree. It was a great intro to the show. It gives you a little taste of everything you're going to be seeing throughout the whole series, which is there's a mystery there and there are actual clues and there is a supernatural force to this forest of Gravity Falls, but... There's a lot of silliness that goes on along with that to accompany this mystery. So ton of fun for the first episode. That brings it to the second episode that we watched, which is the highest rated episode. According to IMDb, he's not what he seems. Season two, episode 11. The twins wonder if they really know Grunkle Stan after he's taken into custody by the government agents. It starts off with essentially a crazy rooftop firework party. <laughs> I like this. They're setting off fireworks and it's Stan and then and the kids setting the fireworks off, which cause a fire. And then instead of just putting it out, they have a water balloon fight to put it out. <laughs> I'm like, this sounds like so much fun. I would totally do this. And then all of a sudden a SWAT team shows up to take everyone out. <laughs> 
My favorite moment for that is when the SWAT team's trying to capture everybody, and one of them, like, dives through the window and grabs the pig and, like, wrestles the pig to the ground and gets on his, like, radio, and he's like, we've scared a pig! (laughs) (laughs) Almost like that was one of their goals. Yeah, check that off the list of things to do. (laughs) One of my favorite lines before that even started was when they were doing the water balloon fight, Grunkle Stan says, this is what Saturdays are for, doing dumb things forever. And I agree. That's what we're doing. We do dumb things all the time. Every Saturday, every day, really. We're very good at dumb things. (laughs) Oh, caught something in this episode that they they started in the first episode we watched, and it was a callback to that, which surprised me. There's one point in the first episode where Grunkle Stan is like, he's kind of scamming people, sort of, you know, with his tourist trap of a place. And there's a rock that kind of looks like it has a face, and he's talking to them about it. So in this episode... After everything's happening, you see some of the SWAT team staring at it, and one of them goes, is it a rock or, a, or is it a face? And the other guy goes, I think it's a metaphor. And I thought that was yeah. really funny. I think he said something about this, like a rock with a face, and I think one of the tourists asked if it was the opposite, and he's like, no, yeah. I just told you, it's a rock with a face. <laughs> yeah. He's like, he's like, so is it is um, it a face? Yeah, so and he's like, good. no, it's just a rock with a face. So when the SWAT team comes to Grunkle Stan and is about to take him out, you know, he's fighting for his innocence, but he, he keeps saying things like he's guiltisent or in a guilty. Like he can't, <laughs> he just can't claim innocence. Right. I forgot about that. <laughs> so basically they're taking him in because they think he's kind of like a super villain. Yeah. Sort of. And that's why he's being captured and the kids don't know that. They're basically trying to clear his name. That's the goal of the kids throughout this episode and Seuss. But even we're kind of left with the intro to this episode where it's before all the firework things happen with Uncle Stan like in a secret laboratory and we don't know what he's doing, but it looks like he's setting right. off or starting off a countdown for a bomb of some sort or something. So, oh, that's right. So, yeah, we don't even understand. We're kind of as clueless as the SWAT team is. But, yeah, the kids are trying to defend him because they obviously don't know this part about him. Right. They're trying to figure out, like, how to get him out, how to clear his name. And they start kind of piecing together things about him that they didn't know. They find that he's got a bunch of fake IDs. They also find a news article claiming that Stan Pines is actually dead so that he might not even be the real Stan Pines. Yeah. So they're kind of thrown for a big loop there, and they don't know that they even trust him anymore to clear him. So Dipper, in particular, is getting really upset feeling like he can't trust him, feeling like he's been lied to. And Mabel still wants to believe in him. And she's having the harder time thinking that he could be guilty of all these things. Especially once we get kind of towards the end of the episode, he escapes from the SWAT team. He escapes custody in an Inception style, like combat scene. Yeah. Or all kinds of weird uh, happenings, like floating through the air. Yeah. yeah, like there's all these gravity anomalies going on. It's almost like the apocalypse is coming. Right. All these things keep happening, and he knows when it's going to happen. He uses it to his advantage to escape, fights some people, kind of floats around, heads back to his lab, and Seuss and the kids are down there because they convinced... Seuss was guarding the entrance because he didn't even know it was an entrance. He was just guarding a, what he thought was like a vending machine because Stan told him to... So they convince Seuss to let him down. They go down there. They find all this stuff. They notice that he has the other two books, one and two, down there. So Dipper's like, I've been lied to by this guy the whole time. They find the machine that's counting down, and they think something horrible is going to happen once it finishes counting down. Dipper's trying to stop it. You know what? 
this was kind of the end of the episode a little bit, but this was actually a really intense scene. Yeah, it really was. It got really serious. For a funny yeah. cartoon. Yeah. I feel like there's, I would probably appreciate it more having seen more of the show because there's obviously a lot of things that have been alluded to in this episode, like history that's happened between these characters, things like that, that we haven't gotten to see yet Yeah, since we've just seen a couple episodes and went to this one. Yeah. So there's a lot of stuff that we probably even missed out on, but even like missing out on some of the history that probably led up to this episode, it was still extremely good and very emotional kind of ending to this episode in that Sans basically begging the kids to trust him and Mabel really wants to and Dipper's just completely against him and Seuss is actually against him too like Seuss turns on him also it really all comes down to Mabel and her decision and she's so torn and that was just where the intensity comes in it's like man this is you can feel the struggle here and you don't even know what's going to happen especially coming into this episode really not knowing a lot of the history of what's going on. I think even if you, even if we had watched episodes prior to this, I don't know if we would have been able to piece together exactly what ended up happening. Right, because there was a lot going on. And we don't want to ruin the end for everybody, but basically it comes down to Mabel whether this machine is going to get stopped or not, and no one knows except for Stan what's going to happen if this machine does or doesn't get stopped. So it could be a doomsday device, we don't know. Yeah, I mean, it already seems like the world is ending all around them because gravity is just going crazy all over the place there's earthquakes all kinds of crap is happening i remember somebody called it a baby-sized earthquake and the other person was like oh baby-sized yep (laughs) (laughs) Uh, at the very very end of this episode when the credits are rolling i really like that scene we won't say what it is necessarily but i think that's just a really yeah it's a peaceful scene it was it was nice They add something to the end of the credits for every episode. It's something different. The first episode was just that gnome puking a rainbow over and over, just continually puking rainbows. Just a really long rainbow puke. This one was something different, and it was a really melancholy, nice, quiet scene, which was really interesting. There was one joke that I want to point out. And it might not be as funny by itself. It's funny in context of what our other show has been doing recently. Yeah. Which was the the machines counting down. Someone says, it's the final countdown, just like they always sang about. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> there's many final countdown jokes to be had in um, our other show, Nerds on Tap. Oh, and there's that commercial has been on recently with that exact song in it where the guys are singing in the middle of that break yeah. room. Have you seen that? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Where so, the microwave, they're singing to the microwave countdown. To the microwave, that's yeah. right. <laughs> final countdown. So Final Countdown has been all around us lately. Right. Yeah. We're immersed in the Final Countdown at this point. <laughs> it's a sign. So weird. So uh, yeah, that was, I, I was laughing really hard at that just because of just all of its relevance to us recently. Right. So. How, how it's surrounding us. Yeah. Right. This was a great episode. I really enjoyed this one. I can see why it's so highly rated because it goes from very comedic to just very like on the edge of your seat. You don't know what's going to happen and they play it off really well. It's emotional in a sense as well. Yeah, I really enjoyed it and for all the reasons that you said and it still has its funny moments mixed in with all the serious. The only issue that I have and it's not any fault of the shows, it's because... I feel like there's a lot I'm missing in this episode because I haven't seen the rest of the show. I will give this episode all the credit it deserves. I feel like I need to see it again after seeing all the episodes that actually precede it. And I think I would like it even more. 
Yeah, I think once we're able to tie up all the loose ends that we might have had individually, then it would make a lot more sense. But even as a standalone show, having not seen all of that, I think it still stood out really well. Yeah, I agree. So that carries us on to the last episode that we watched, which was a random or listener recommended episode. In this case, it was random because I like the name of it. It was called Summer Ween, Season 1, Episode 12. Dipper and Mabel are trick-or-treating on Summerween when a monster named the Summerween Trickster shows up. Dipper tries to impress Wendy by not treating. <laughs> I really enjoyed this episode a lot. This was my favorite out of the three that we watched. I want Summerween to be a real thing. It's like, true, <laughs> yeah. Just, what Summerween is, in case it's not extremely obvious by the name, is the town of Gravity Falls loves Halloween so much that they celebrate it twice a year. It was June something they celebrate Summerween. Yeah, and it's it's really cool. I mean, it's pretty much the same as Halloween. They trick or treat, they dress up. The biggest change is that instead of pumpkins, they have watermelons. Well, they call them jack-o-melons in this yeah. case. <laughs> they still carve them and everything like you would a jack-o'-lantern. I think that's a really cool idea. Like, I would love to start an actual Summerween or just get like a group of friends to celebrate Summerween every year. We should celebrate a Summerween party some year. I would absolutely do a Summerween party. That sounds amazing. There's so many cool variations on the Halloween holiday that you could do to make it summer themed. I think it would be so much fun. As long as we have the Jacko melons, then I think oh, we're yeah. good. That's a necessity. That's like step one yeah. is Jacko melons. Definitely, definitely going to do that. It sounds like a blast. I also want one of those bowls that Seuss was playing with, with the skeleton head in it when they were in the Halloween shop or the Summerween shop. Yeah, so explain what that is because I didn't think that was going to be pertinent to the story and it ended up being super important at the end of the story. So explain what he's doing and what he's playing with. Okay, so they go to the Halloween shop, Seuss, Mabel, Dipper, and Grunkle Stan to get their Summerween costumes and Seuss just gets so distracted by this what it is, it's a, it's like a trick-or-treat bowl, but it's got a skeleton head in it. And when you push the head down, it makes noise or it starts talking. It says a phrase and it does some crazy laugh. And yeah, so it makes just, like Halloween jokes. Yeah. It, yeah. It makes, uh, again, with the puns, it makes like head puns or skeleton puns. And then it just laughs. It's like, yeah, ha, ha, yeah, ha, ha. <laughs> and it does that over and over again. He's really annoying the clerk there because he just keeps doing it. And then at one point, I think it's at this point, he, he presses like almost all of them and they're just going off simultaneously. Yeah, he's having a blast with it. And that will come into play later towards the end of the episode, which I did not expect and made the episode that much funnier because of what happened. As we were saying with the, the synopsis is that they're going to go trick-or-treating and stuff, but Wendy has a guy with her and they are going to a party and Wendy invites Dipper to go. Dipper is trying to be cool 15 year old girl talking to a 12 year old of course 12 year old's gonna want to impress her so he's saying yeah yeah i'll be at the party and stuff like that he's, he's not planning on trick-or-treating now which has really upset mabel because mabel's super looking forward to it and wants to trick-or-treat with her brother and he's just not into it and <laughs> mabel also has two friends with her <laughs> candy was one of them the one who was dressed like candy what was the tall girl the tall girl's the name was grinda grinda <laughs> who had the voice of definitely a guy was voicing yeah. her she had a male voice and what's great <laughs> is when she was introduced to grunkle stan and he was like something wrong with your voice there no why would you say that yeah <laughs> and then he just wa or no he, he just gets his cape and just like whoosh, walks off walks away yeah 
So yeah, I mean that that was one thing that I thought was funny through the whole episode was anytime she talked, it was hilarious. She, yeah, <laughs> she just has a super deep voice. Leading up to this, there's the urban legend of Summerween that has to do with this Summerween trickster who basically comes to haunt children who don't celebrate Summerween. Yeah, so if they don't have spirit, he kind of guns for them. And... Yeah, he's like Sam from Trick or Treat, if you've ever seen that yeah. movie. Yeah, pretty much. That's a good way to describe it. Except for Summerween. And what happens is, basically what starts it off is Dipper is just not appreciating this candy that he's getting and just kind of starts chunking it out the window. He has all the crappy candy that you would usually get on Halloween, like... Which I loved. The, the taffy and the orange and purple wrappers that no one eats, or uh, like... The, the black licorice. The black licorice, or like stuff that I would not eat, the white Tootsie Rolls. You would get the things that are like Smarties, but not even Smarty brand. They're just yeah. a knockoff. All some that of, stuff. Some of the good ones were Sand Pop. <laughs> instead, of, instead of Mr. Good Bar, there was Sand. Mr. Adequate Bar. That's right. <laughs> and then instead of Count Chocula, it was Count Discount. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so it's that kind of stuff. That's the candy that they're throwing out. And then Grunkle Stan explains the legend to him because he's throwing that candy out, wasting it. So then once everyone's dressed up, they're ready to go trick-or-treating. And he's not in his costume, not wanting to trick-or-treat. This uh, little kid shows up named Gordy who rings the doorbell, and then immediately this creature picks him up and eats him. <laughs> and as he's, what was great, what made me laugh a ton was when he was like, as Gorney was being swallowed by this creature, he was like, remember me. And then, <laughs> right. and then Grinda's like, Gorney. <laughs> Basically, it's the creature, uh, the creature of Summerween, the spirit of Summerween or whatever you want to call it, there to basically challenge Dipper and to say that if he doesn't get him 500 pieces of candy by the end of the night, he's going to eat him. Yeah. And then basically just scurries away after that. So... Dipper is kind of forced into trick-or-treating and looking uncool <laughs> when all he wants to do is impress Wendy. I was thinking of another really funny part. When Dipper and the group go trick-or-treating to try to collect the 500 candies, they come to this one house. This old man opens the door oh, and, they're, yeah. and they're like, oh, what a horrible mask. And he's like, that's just my face. This is <laughs> this is my mask. And he puts on like an ugly dragon mask. You're like, yeah, oh, that's like, actually oh. an improvement. That's better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now they're trick training. They're trying to get their candy. <laughs> One of my favorite ones was like, they, they feel like they're not getting enough, so they got to up their game. So Mabel and Dipper go to one house. They ring the doorbell. And when the guy opens it, it's this big burly dude in a pirate outfit. <laughs> and they, they do like, like a tiny little song and dance real quick, hoping yeah. to get more candy. And the guy sheds a tear. Yeah. And then just, he pours his entire bowl of candy, everything he has <laughs> into their bags. They, yeah. They have moved him with their <laughs> Summerween uh, spirit. That was good. And it was really good. They were dressed as peanut butter and jelly. Because That's right. What, what they love or what Mabel always appreciated about it was the fact that she and Dipper, since they were twins, would always have matching costumes on Halloween. Right. And the reason she was so sad that Dipper didn't want to do it is because she she ends up telling him, we're getting older, so there's not that many Halloweens left for them to trick or treat together. So one of those spots where it got really kind of like emotional. Right. You know, thinking about them aging and not being able to do this together anymore. Yeah. And you know, it, it's actually, it's a pretty sweet, tender moment, mm -hmm. like a really sweet moment of honesty with the sister wanting to 
remain close to her brother who's kind of pulling away and growing up and she's not ready to let him go basically yeah yeah it was nice and touching there what this leads us to they get the 500 pieces of candy but then dipper (laughs) screws up because of wendy again oh yeah he sees wendy coming by in a car so he pushes they have all the candy in a wheelbarrow he shoves it behind some bushes, pulls his costume off real quick, and she kind of starts talking to him out the window of this car, and he's like, yeah, yeah, I'll see you at the party, blah, 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 and she drives off, and that's the first time Mabel finds out what his plan was originally, why he wasn't going to mm-hmm. trick-or-treat with her, because he was trying to impress a girl, and she gets all upset, and not only does that, and he pulls the bushes open to find out that there was just, like, they were literally on the edge of a cliff, yeah. <laughs> and the wheelbarrow went right off into, like, sewage or a swamp or something. Yeah, it looked like it was like a running stream of sewage. It got dumped into. Yeah, it's just straight into it. No candy left. And it's about time. Like, Summerween's pretty much over at that point. Once the last jack-o'-melon is put out, once the last flame is blown out, that's when Summerween is officially over. And, and they see the last guy with it. They see the last guy with it. They try to make it there, but... Well, they get... They oh, do. They get, there, they yeah. get him. And then their sigh of relief is what they blows the, sigh the of relief, out, which is great. <laughs> and that blows the candle out. <laughs> so <laughs> they, they were almost okay. And then they screwed themselves over so then the monster is like right there he's ready he's asking where the candy is they don't have it he's gonna eat them then all of a sudden and i thought this was gonna be the end of the episode because seuss all of a sudden not even realizing it just slams into the monster with a car and it it explodes (laughs) yeah and it was great because he doesn't even do it knowingly he's just like that wasn't like a regular pedestrian was it (laughs) Right. (laughs) He thought he ran over a person and he was just like, oh, crap, it's not good. Not realizing he just saved them from the monster. At least they thought. But then the monster starts pulling itself back together and starts chasing them. They basically have to run from it. Trying to get away from this monster, they end up back at the shop that they started the episode in where they got their costumes and stuff. So they get in there. They're trying to hide from the monster. They all put on costumes and they're like ducking into the aisles and stuff like that, trying to pretend that they're decorations. But Seuss sees that bowl again with the skull (laughs) that makes the jokes and makes him super happy. And he walks over there to play with it. And they're like, Seuss, no, what are you doing? And he's like, come on, guys, I've had a stressful day he's like i need a laugh so he does it even though the monster's like right there and they're trying to be quiet to hide from it he's hitting it and it doesn't work because the batteries are dead and and they kind of like oh (laughs) breathing a sigh of relief but then he pulls out a pack of batteries and replaces (laughs) the batteries and hits it anyway and alerts the monster to their presence which was man that was my favorite joke of the entire show so far that was great (laughs) they think it's over and then he has batteries to put back in that was awesome and what was really funny also this is why seuss is such a great character like a lot of these jokes are based on seuss's actions they're inside the summerween store and they're on the run from the monster now that he's aware of their presence and seuss is just like he's standing right next to a ton of costumes he's like if only there was like a disguise of some kind I forgot about Like that. some way we could hide. By the way, through the whole episode, he's dressed as like a Lucha Libre, right? Isn't that his costume? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, he's a Lucha <laughs> Just makes it even better. Yeah. It was good. I think we should probably leave it at that and yeah. not tell them how it ends up because the end of the episode, it wasn't what I was expected, but it ties together perfectly in a way I didn't see coming and it was very enjoyable. Yeah. Let's not spoil what actually happens, but it was really fun. Well, Chris, why don't we pick our inner kids up from the Mystery Shack to see what they thought of their trip and to find out if they picked us up those grappling hooks from the gift shop. 
All right, little Chris, uh, what do you have to say about this one? I don't have a grappling hook, but this was a cartoon that was good because it was funny and it had lots of jokes and it had some monsters because monsters are my favorite. And I want to watch more of this cartoon every day and I give it three bowls of marshmallows out of three. And now, Joseph, it's your time for the, for the cereals. Sure. Thanks for the handoff, Chris. As my older self stated earlier, the supernatural and paranormal aspects of this show had me completely enamored from the start. Not to mention the witty humor, lovable characters, beautiful animation, and surprising depth. Even just a few episodes in, I can easily see how much love Hirsch has for his semi-autobiographical show. That said, it's no mystery that I'll be rating this show three full bowls of cereal out of three, and would highly recommend it to all ages of humans, gnomes, zombies, or otherwise. Nicely said, little guys. Nicely said. Yes, well said, little Chris, little Joe. Now run along, little scamps. Go out to the spooky forest and have some supernatural adventures of your own while you're still young. Cherish those years. Anyway, folks, it looks like our milk supply has now run dry, so it's time for us to say goodbye. And next week, we'll be watching... Avatar The Last Airbender Submitted via Twitter by at Ryder Sean Once again, I'm Joseph And I'm Chris And we'll see you next Saturday Thanks everyone for listening If you like what you heard, please give us a 5 star rating on iTunes Definitely reach out and let us know what cartoon you'd like us to cover Along with some of your favorite episodes so we can feature them on our show You can make a request, see the current request list Or speak with the show host by visiting the Cartoon Boom subreddit You can also connect with our network by visiting nerdsloth.com Or searching for Nerdsloth on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube See you next Saturday